Hi folks, this is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things we can all do to live a better life. If times get tough, or even if they don't, today is Wednesday, June the 6th, 2018. And though I sound in a good mood, and I am, it is a solemn day. Um, it is also a day to celebrate a victory. Uh, and that was, of course, D-Day, uh, World War II. Uh, the beginning of the Allied invasion of Europe when uh, tremendous numbers of men fell on both sides. Uh, but it was the beginning of the end. It was a, a lot quite as quick an end, I think, as many thought it would be once uh, D-Day and, and the 48 hours after it were accomplished and the beaches were taken. Um, it went on longer than I think many people thought it would at that point. They thought once we got on to land there, we would... Uh, We just roll through, and there was a lot of battle and a lot of death in between. But in the end, it was it was the beginning of the end. And uh, as much as we rail against war, and as much as World War II could have been avoided had the actions that cost World War One not been taken, uh, and the way that World One World War One ended, punishing Germany had not been done. Once it was in place, it was probably the greatest evil of modern times. And when I say modern times, I'm talking like a thousand years. And Something had to be done, and, and, and the people that did it were made of stuff that I, I don't know that we're really made of anymore. And if we're ever faced with such an evil again, may God help us that we are. Because it may take even more fortitude and more courage to deal with such an evil, and such an evil, or worse, can absolutely rise. However, I think for the time being, things will be okay, and we should just take a moment on a day like today to, listen, to, to look back and reflect on the sacrifices of those who righted that evil and put the world into a better place. And we should also ask ourselves if we're doing the right things with what they gave us and the sacrifices that they made. On a better note, let's talk about what we're going to talk about today for our main topic. Uh, I have expert council member... And uh, awesome guy, good friend, Gary Collins coming on today. And he's going to talk about kind of a, a new take for him on what he's doing professionally. And it's called The Simple Life Now is his website. And he's taken all of the things that he's learned in his off-grid living, his RV living, his quest for fitness and health, and, and wrapped them up into simple guides. And I think this is a good move for Gary. I think it broadens him from just being you know, the, the, the fitness and nutrition guy. And he, he's actually writing about and teaching about the way he's living. So he's writing a book about living off the grid. He's living off the grid. He built his off-grid home in, in, in Washington State. He's writing about RV living. He's spending half of his year living out of his RV, traveling around the country with his dog, Barney. He, you know, he, he's writing about um, how to... Uh, develop optimal health well he's really developed if you've ever met the guy he's certainly developed optimal health in his life and I, I think it's really a great idea for us when we're going to go out and be teachers and and talk on subject matter and content creators to actually write about produce videos about produce content about what we know and gary knows this stuff because it's gary's life and uh, he's always a great guy to talk to we'll have him on in just a moment Before we do that, let's go ahead and take care of our two sponsors of the day. Sponsor of the day, number one today, is BulkAmmo.com. Now, they haven't been with us 
as long as some of our sponsors. I met them about year three or four into this journey. So it was like six years. And because PayPal and guns and ammunition and stuff, like most of my sponsors pay by PayPal, Bulk Ammo pays by check. So most of my sponsors just on an auto-renew once a month, they pay me their fee. So Bulk Ammo pays me once a year. And I reached out to them recently because their contract expires in June, and I'm like, do you guys want to renew? They're like, of course we want to renew. So six years of sponsoring the show, providing all the ammo that you need for that gun, or guns in the case of most of us, and the common calibers at the best pricing and shipping so fast it'll make your neck whip around when the postman knocks on your door and your ammo's there. Um, you know, I, a lot of times you're thinking, well, I need to pick up some more of this or I need to pick up some more of that. And it's weeks before you get to the store and then maybe you forgot about it, life gets in the way, whatever. You go to bulkammo.com, you order your ammo, and it just shows up really fast. You get great pricing, a great selection. They have just about everything in stock. Check them out today at bulkammo.com. And remember, they do a discount for members of the MSB. You can find out about that in the benefits section of the MSB. Next up today, J.M. Bullion. You know, Bulk Ammo provides what we call the other precious metal, copper jacket and lead. J.M. Bullion provides the actual precious metals, silver, uh, gold, and, and, and platinum, and specifically silver and gold. And I'm a big silver stacker. I really believe that silver has a huge place in the wealth assurance portfolio of people in America today. Total all-in gold and silver, I specifically recommend 5 to 10% of your net wealth in silver and gold. So as your net wealth goes up, you continuously add a little bit at a time, and you have that assurance, insurance uh, you know, factor against your total wealth. And when I need silver and gold, I go to the same place I recommend you go to, which is Jam Bullion. Another long-term sponsor, been with us about six years, which is forever in the world of podcasting. It's, it's really forever in the world of silver and gold. Uh, and the reason I chose them as a sponsor, and I, you know, with silver and gold, I could have just about anybody I want. Lear Capital reached out about six months ago, and I told them I had somebody already. But the truth is I had already evaluated them back when I brought Jam Bullion on. The question I had for all of these companies is, Who's your president or CEO, and can I talk to them? And, and generally, it was like, no, we, no we, I'm the marketing guy. You talk to me. I mean, this is advertising. No, 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 no. No, I'm going to have people buying thousands of dollars worth of shit from you, and sooner or later, something's going to go wrong. And I want to be able to talk to a guy that will make it right if it's, make, if it's doable. If, it, if it's something the company's supposed to do and should do, I want it done. And I don't want any bullshit about I'll get back to you. I want to talk to somebody who can make the call. And to me, a CEO, a president, etc., makes the call. Well, no one else wanted to do that. But J.M. Bullion was like, well, Michael was like, that's me. That's who I'm, it's me. I'm reaching out to you right now. Like, that's what I do. And it has paid off because in the very beginning of the relationship, there were a few errors here and there. And when I sent Michael those errors, let me tell you what he said. Thank you. Thank you for letting me know about this so that I can correct it. Thank you for letting me fix this. Thank you for not letting this customer hang out in the breeze. And it took about three or four of those. And I think we really did help them because we were willing to give them the feedback directly to the top that other people maybe weren't. And I haven't heard Jack Diddley squat about that for like five years. So you're going to get the best pricing you can get, the same silver and gold you'd get anywhere. And if anything ever goes wrong, I have a front line straight into the president of the company. Again, his name is Michael. I won't give away his last name because I don't know that he wants that done publicly. Anyway, check him out, J.M. Bullion, and they do a discount for members of the MSB. You know who gets a discount for uh, silver and gold? No one. No one does a discount on silver and gold except me for my members because I care about you guys and I work out deals for you. And by the way, everything from J.M. Bullion ships free.
Check them out today. There is no better place to get your gold and silver. If there was, they'd have this spot instead of JM Bullion. Before I bring Gary on, let's go ahead and take a look at the year 136 AD as we take our walk through history with David Verne at tspwiki.com. I have adopting an heir and ordering suicides. Seems like something an emperor would do. Since the beginning of Hadrian's reign, his brother-in-law, Lucius Servius, has been considered Hadrian's unofficial successor. Servianus would have been a good emperor, but he was in his 90s and would die soon after claiming the throne. So his grandson, Nasius Salvatore, was thought to be the next choice. It came to a shock to everyone when Hadrian adopted a senator named Lucius Alicius. Lucius had a successful political career, but he had no military experience and very poor health. Salinator was so upset that he organized a coup against Hadrian, but the coup was quickly discovered and ended with Salvatore's execution. Servius was implicated in the coup, but Hadrian didn't want to execute him, so he ordered Servius, Servianus actually, to commit suicide. Servianus complied, and preferring suicide to slow execution, I guess you would, but he prayed that Hadrian would, quote, long for death but be unable to die, end quote. No matter how guilty Servianus may have been, the Senate and much of the populace were shocked and disgusted by Hadrian forcing a 90-year-old man with a respectable career, respectable career to commit suicide. My take by David Verne. Why Hadrian picked sickly Lucius Elinus over other candidates is a question that has never been decisively solved. A theory I think sounds reasonable is that Lucius was supposed to be a stopgap. Hadrian had, been, had seen great promise in a young man called Marcus Aurelius, but he was only 15 at the time. Young emperors didn't have the best track record, i.e. Caligula and Nero. Hadrian wanted Marcus to get older and more experienced. Lucius was meant to rule for several years and then die from his poor health, leaving the throne to the, an older Marcus. Unfortunately for Hadrian, Lucius would die before Hadrian, was in, before Hadrian in 138, forcing Hadrian to look for someone else to name as heir. You know, it seems like there was a better way to do this. It seems like there would have been a better way to appoint an emperor in, like, pro tem, I guess, in advance of this younger emperor. It would seem like maybe the emperor could issue some sort of an edict, like, this young man will, will, will be basically co-emperor with this person for this period of time or something like that. Maybe even gone to the Senate and said, hey, this guy's great, but... Remember Nero? Remember Caligula? Remember how bad that sucked? You want to make it not happen again? Let's give this guy some mentorship. And I bet you they could have worked something out. But what happens when people get enough power after a certain period of time is they just act. And sometimes they assume that others will even understand what they're doing. Assuming this is what Hadrian was doing. Who knows? Maybe the guy went nuts. There was a lot of stuff going around back then, uh, especially, especially with STDs among people like this that caused, you know, things like neurosyphilis and stuff. So who knows what was really going on there? And maybe this was just an act of someone reaching his end years and going a little bit crazy wacky. Anyway, with that, let's go ahead and remind you real quick before we bring Gary on the best way to make sure this show is always here. Join the Member Support Brigade, or MSB for short. Just go to the survivalpodcast.com and click on Members. When you do that, you'll be able to sign up there. You'll see all the great stuff you get discounts to. And if you use just a few of them, like the ones we talked about with our sponsors today, your membership will more than pay for itself. And with that, I want to welcome back to the Survival Podcast, good friend, expert council member, uh, constantly reappearing guest and uh, creator of a new website called thesimplelifenow.com, Gary Collins. Hey, Gary, welcome to the Survival Podcast. 
Oh, it's been been a while. Good to be on, Jack. You know, it, it has been a while. So let's let's catch people up. You, you have been working on an off-grid project. Kind of give people, I guess, the uh, the the sixty-second summary of what it was, and then and then kind of adjunct into like, well, what's changed since last time that you've been on? What's new with it? Well, it started five years ago. If you can believe that, now it's been that long. Even though the book's only been out, what about a year and a half? So yeah, it's been an adventure. Uh, you always work on it, and I'm um, just living the Gary life and trying to document it and share it with people so they can uh, see that this stuff's possible, that they can do it too. That's probably the biggest thing I've been working on. Can you give kind of people the basics of like, you know, what is your setup? Like, you know, we we kind of went into it really deep when you were on last time, so just kind of maybe basic overview, you know, where you're living, what it's like, uh, the structure, that type of thing. Yeah, it's evolved a lot. Uh, you know, when I first started, I'd, I'd sold my house, was renting for four years. Like I always tell people, you got to have a plan if you're going to do this. And so I spent those four years coming up with my plan, moved into my uh, little travel trailer, been living in travel trailers for five plus years too now on top of it. So my setup is a split. So I, I knew building the house that I still needed some place to live. And I didn't have all the infrastructure in to be able to stay at the property. I would basically have to camp. And I've got moose, bears, big cats. It's it's a stupid idea. Don't get me wrong. People do it. I'm just I'm too old. I ain't got time for that crap. Uh, you know, I'd rather worry about something else besides you know a mountain lion you know crunching my head in the middle of the night in my sleep. I'd rather not deal with that. <laughs> so so I do that and I split half the year in my travel trailer and I go back and forth. So I'm a, I'm a, I tell people I'm a weather baby. I just, <laughs> I, I am an outside guy. I love being outside and I grew up in the mountains and I'm just over winter. I'm just done. I lived in Nebraska, <laughs> you know, New Mexico, Nevada. I've had it. I've done all the skiing I can do. Uh, I've done it. I'm done. So I want to be warm and be able to ride my bikes, be outside, and do the stuff I want to do. So I go south, and I've been going back to California to where – now where I grew up, that area. So it's it's pretty desolated. People think of California, and they think, oh, Gary's in L.A. He's full of crap. He's not living the life. No, I live out in the sticks there too. It's in the Sierra Nevadas. It's very – not very densely populated area. So I go back there where the weather's a little nicer in and hang out but the plans to go even further south i actually looked at some property in nevada and i'm going to look in arizona when i get back and just kind of look around i'm looking for the second place kind of to set up shop for the the be the winter months because i love it up here in the summer i mean it, it's absolutely beautiful and stunning up here in the summer yeah i mean you're you're where i would kind of like to get myself at some point which is when it gets really hot you run away and when it gets really cold you run away Right, like, like, yeah. why, why sit there and freeze when there's places where it's warm, and then why sit there and 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 sweat when there's places where it's nice and cool, uh, and it's 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 like a livable temperature. It, like, birds are smart enough to figure this shit out, right? So, <laughs> what? Why can't we figure this stuff out? You know, I agree, and, and you know, we used to be hunter gatherers, so we did. You know, we were oh, absolutely. We moved around. We're stupider now, unfortunately. 
but and, and well trained is the best way to put it. But but yeah, I. Uh, but see, we weren't even smart then. So like you think of like the the hunter gatherers in North America, right? So it got really cold, and even though the buffalo stay pretty warm, they're like you know the buffalo are like screw this shit, we're going south. So all we did was follow the buffalo. The buffalo were the one with the brains. <laughs> It's a good point. It's a good point. Yeah, we were following the, the supposed dumber animal, right? Yeah. And, and but yeah, you're right because it was 106 when I left. Ugh. The day I left, and it was close to 100 all the way until I got to far northern California, and even then it was in the 90s, high 90s, no. mid 90s. And I said that this is exactly why I do this. It's a 40 degree difference where I'm at right now. It's nice. It's in, you know, it's like mid-70s. Oh, God. So I got here this morning. I'm running late this year. I had a bunch of stuff that I had to take care of uh, south. So I'm a little late getting up here to, to get back into the project. And I'm just doing finish work now. Uh, the house is, it's all, you know, plumbing. Every, it's all in. Everything, you know, yeah. counters, cabinets. It's all in. So it's functional. But a few things broke last year. So I had to bring the travel trailer back up again. I didn't want to, and I kind of didn't have to, but some stuff broke to where if things didn't quite go right and I'm installing some new doors, I could be living rough for, gotcha. yeah, like four or five weeks. So I just, and like last year, I stayed there back and forth. I went yeah. back. I'll do, you know, I'll, I'll probably spend a month working on it again. And I'll just move in, fully gotcha. move in. Gotcha. I'm about happy. Yeah, and people kind of think, well, you're not really living. Well, you know, this is how it works. Yeah, you know, it's yeah, a, yeah. It's an ongoing project. Um, you know, and living in a travel trailer is harder than living up there. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah, people don't uh, understand that. I can't remember the comedian, but there's the one comedian. He was like a Ron White type comedian, but I, I was either like Bill Ingvall or something. He said, let me tell you what RV stands for. Ruins vacations. <laughs> and, and I think if you're not up to speed on you know limitations and how to utilize them it can be true it's 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 not paradise living but it can be pretty nice too it all depends on how you're set up well and that's why i wrote that rv book because I've, I've got a ton of questions and we'll talk about that a little later yeah but yeah rv living it, it goes you can go the whole gamut with it if you want to live in a half you know five hundred thousand dollar rv that's nicer than houses in La Jolla, California, you can do it. But for most people, you know, the lower end stuff, you know, it's like me. I'm living in the same exact area where my house is. I'm just in a travel trailer. I can't get a travel trailer up to that property. Otherwise, <laughs> I would. I take that back. I could get it up there if I helicoptered it in and helicoptered yeah. it back out. That's but I would, <laughs> I would tear it end to end getting it in and out to include my vehicle I don't think I could get it up. I honestly do not think it is possible to 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 tow a our, our travel trailer into that property. I I don't think it's possible. Yet another reason to not live there in winter. Well, yeah. Travel we trailer aside, right? You know, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, and in the snow I got, I had about four foot up there this winter, and it was buried. We had a pretty heavy winter because my cameras, I can see everything, and I'm telling you. Uh, it, it's the shining. You would be up there for four <laughs> months, locked in there, and you, your worst enemy, your brain, no, you're going to be no, stuck in that house. No work and no play make Gary go something something. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's why I tell people because they're all you can, you know, you could cross country ski and you know snowshoe and all, and I'm all, oh, you don't know me. I'm no. like that. 
I can't yeah. do. I get too isolated, and yeah, I, I start surf fishing or something. I don't want to do that. So yeah, what yeah. are some of the lessons and insights you've picked up uh, on off grid living over like this last year? Uh, you know, the biggest thing for me is the variance. And that, it's a weird lesson, but the variance of how you want to do it. There's so many different ways, and I've had a couple, you know, people comment, some of the hardcore off-gridders going, you know, basically calling me a sissy for the most part. And, and you know, I'm like, well, why do I want to Well, suffer? just fill your shoes with gravel then, asshole, if you want to be miserable. I mean, that's the way I look at that. Well, yeah, and they argued over my definition of off-grid. I okay. said off-grid is not being connected to public utilities. Okay. And they're all that. They're all no, no, no. Off grid is no communication. You're in the woods, and I'm all no, 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 I, I, no. It, it, that's your <laughs> definition. The technical <laughs> definition is my definition. Yeah. And and not. I didn't get a whole lot of that. It was a couple people sniping. You know, yeah. telling me I was doing everything wrong. And look at that huge house. And that cost. One of the things I got a couple comments from was, "Al, you can't afford. People can't afford to do that." Isn't your huge house like 800 square feet? It's it's eleven hundred if you count okay. the loft. It is okay. nine something without the loft. Gotcha. It's not it exactly, might, a, it's not exactly it, an off grid McMansion. No, <laughs> no. And the only reason I built it that big was for two reasons: visitors, people who want to come up and hang out, and also resale. Uh, sure. You know, if you build a four hundred, well, I thought about it. And I was starting to, and then I went, "How am I going to sell that?" You're you know, not. that's. You're not. It's small. It's too small. And I only have one building site, so without doing a spending a ton of money to do more dirt work, I built the biggest I felt I could get on there that made sense, basically. That's how it worked. And I told people, too, I go, it's my dream home. This is my getaway home. It isn't about necessarily is a roughing it. Sure. But it's I don't want to rough it to a point. I got to run a business. I have to you know, I'm an author. I write books. I I, I got to be able to do everything that that gives me the freedom of lifestyle that I'm teaching. And I think that's the biggest lesson, too, is what are your goals? You know, are, are you planning just to get away and just get away? You don't want to be in contact with people. All you want to do is hunt and fish. Well, that's a different animal. You're going to go about it differently than I did. And there's nothing wrong with that. I know people who, who do that and who have done that. But that's why I think I, I, I learned is – People think you can do it without a plan. You have to have a plan. And this crazy thing called money. This world still runs off money. And you can fight it all you want, but your project's going to take money. You're going to have to figure out a way to do it. I know people like to barter and, and trade, and I agree with that too. But I've found to do that completely to live an off-grid lifestyle is very, very difficult. And people struggle, and there's high failure rates. Well, there is, and there, even the people that are like hardcore and stick it out, you end up like feeling really bad for him. I've seen you know videos of the guy. he's out in New Mexico desert, he's going to build an Earth ship, and it's like year seven. He's still he's still packing tires. He doesn't yep. have a roof over his head. Seven years later, you know, and it's like you, you do know in that seven years you could have worked at Walmart part time, saved your money, and like paid somebody to build you a reasonable Earth contact structure. And if you wanted to play around with Earthship technology and all, you could have, like, since land's like 13 cents an acre out there, you could have done that, too. Like, I, well, I, I do think there's a place in our world for money, and the people that say money doesn't matter, 
Yeah, I can't remember what the movie was, but they they don't effing have any. That's that was in some <laughs> movie, you know. Like people said, I think that was Boiler Room, uh, the old '80s movie, right? Boiler Room, like people that were an old '90s movie. People that say money doesn't matter, they don't effing have any. Well, and that and true, and you're right. And some of those people like that. They like the struggle, and they love living that way. And hey, more power to you. But 99.9 percent of us out there. You know, we're going to do it a little differently than that. And that's what I'm trying to do. And that's what the most positive I've gotten out of this too is people go, Hey, you're relaying it to the, to the average person. You're telling the everyday Joe and Jane how they can do it. You know, cause people see that and they go, Oh, I, I can't do that. I ain't doing that. There's no way I'm going to spend seven years and hauling hay bales in and everything <laughs> else. And, and hay bale houses are cool. But one thing I've learned about hay bale houses, if you, do them properly to get them uh, permitted. They're very expensive. Yeah, very. They are not yeah. cheap. So you have to be careful too. And it was kind of learning some of the 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 different building materials and and all that. But the biggest lesson is off grid. It, it's it's difficult. But I never went in to do it full time, and I think that's what confused people too. I was never planning to do it all year long. Gotcha. I I had thoughts of it. Maybe I would try it for a year just to do it, and I still might, but the overall goal was freedom, and this was my more getaway off-grid house, and you know the travel trailer. I, I just love the way I live right now. I don't, I don't want to get st- – I'm not good at being in one place either. I'm just not. Well, I mean the thing is you're living in the place that's easiest to live in during the time of the year that you're living there. So living where you're at now in the middle of January is not really a great place to be. It no, and it isn't. It sucks. It's cold. You're gonna, you know, spend your time holed up in your little hole, going crazy like uh, Jack Nicholson, and uh, you know, murdering people when you get out with your axe, and you're gonna burn 75 cords of wood and and what have you. And I mean, some people like that lifestyle, and if you do, great. But I, I think one of the big takeaways from what you're doing is do shit the way you want to do it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And that was my thing. And, and when the, you know, I got those couple and it was like I said, it was only a couple, but they were kind of angry, a little upset <laughs> at me. Like, like I was some false prophet or something. Well, you're I'm doing like, it wrong. You know, yeah. you, 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 they, they worked really hard to be miserable and you're telling people they don't have to be miserable. What the hell is wrong with you? You know, well, um, <laughs> and the money thing, and, and that was the biggest sticking point was the money thing. And, and one person, uh, one of them commented that. There's no way in the beginning he spent dumped a ton of money in that in the beginning. I got the land for twenty two grand for twenty acres yeah. in the mountains. That's pretty cheap today. That's yeah. cheap. I got my well put in a five hundred and ten foot well done for twenty five grand with the pump all installed. You cannot do that today. It's fifty grand to do that yeah. today. Yeah. So yeah, I I kind of looked at it like, well, yeah, if you have again, if you have no money. Yeah, it's going to be expensive, you know, uh, but that's, again, different strokes. And other people, ton of positive comments because the book, that off-the-grid book kind of changed the direction of my business in a way. Sure, Because sure. that, to this day, is still an Amazon bestseller. It's been on the on the list for like a year. It just keeps going and going, and people well, and I think Well, I think part of it is because you say, this is what I did, and here's all the other ways you can do this, because – you know, you have it numbers there that might sound high to somebody, but you might go somewhere else and a land might cost a lot more, but the well might cost a lot less. You know, if you're exactly. if you're in Florida, in it's sand, 
You can literally put in a well with a pipe and a garden hose. I've seen it done, right? Yeah. So you're not going to spend twenty five grand for uh, the well in Florida, but you might spend even somewhere kind of remote and what have you two or three times more for the land. And you might end up to be on a piece of land with a water supply, spending the same money, or you might go somewhere with enough reliable rainfall and everything makes sense, and you might do rain catch for your water. It's up to you how you do it. The key is. Like, you should do what works best for you, and I think that's kind of what you've been teaching people. And, and that's what exactly – that's what kind of frustrated because I think they missed the point. I was <laughs> like, you, you missed the whole point of what I just – you know, the whole book was do it your way. You know, yeah. don't do – you don't have to do it my way, and I would recommend you don't do it my way because this is all different for different people. Sure. And that was good, but it was it was fantastic to get the feedback to even the bad because I learned from all of it and yeah. all the stories and all the people I've met. You know, doing the same thing or, uh, or the, all the best part is the people I've motivated to do it. Yeah. That's why I wrote the book. I mean, yeah. that's the whole point is that people get so wound up, especially as you know, in city, city environments. I, I don't know if you've been around a lot of people in big cities. I mean, you're right there next to Fort Worth. I know where you yeah. live, yeah. but I don't know if you roll into town every day. People, I used pissed. to, I don't do that shit no more, but I used to. I mean, I, For about 10 years, I was in corporate sales and spent most of my time either in Dallas, Houston, uh, New Orleans, places like that in the south when I was in the north, Boston, New York City, you know, Pittsburgh, uh, places like that, like Philadelphia. So, yeah, I, it, it sucks, I just, well, just to be honest. Well, people are – that's what I mean. I've noticed, especially over the last couple of years, people in cities are cranky, man. They are not happy campers. And that's why I hope this book and the RV book motivates them to say, hey, because I was there too. Like, hey, you don't have to live this way if you don't want to. And even if you're in a city, I try and teach lessons that if you're – obviously, you have to have a job. You have family. You can still live a simpler, better life in that environment. Our problem is most people today are just completely brainwashed. I mean it's consumer nation. Buy everything piece of crap overpriced product you can possibly buy and store it up in your garage and go buy more and i think that is the kind of the city thing that i'm kind of noticing it just a lot of consumption speaking of change and you kind of alluded to this like your business model changed like you said when you put out the rv book like it really changed the way you're doing things and you you know you were primal power method and that's like still there and and what have you but In the end, you've kind of gone with this whole simple life now model. Can you kind of talk about how that came about and, and what that's about? And that was kind of the transition of uh, I was noticing, and I have friends who live in seas, is trying to help them out too. And that's what I meant. Show people even in more denser populations that they can, they can live a better, simpler life as well. You don't have to feel trapped and do what I do because I think that was one part I gauged from some of the comments was, oh, man, I so – dream about doing what you do but i live in la you know i commute two and a half hours a day you know it's like no 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 i wanted to teach that hey hey we we have you know that's not going to go away so how can i teach people within those areas too to live a simpler life so the rv book was about rv living and it wasn't just about rv living it was about the rv lifestyle that you don't have to live in it you can get one and you live and get away That's what I was encouraging was use it as a tool to get away as well. But RV living 
is yeah, it's interesting. And I, what I, happened is I did an interview. I don't know, you know George Nori, right? Yep. Oh yeah, we all ancient alien, you know, and yeah. uh, coast to coast. I was on his show, and he just absolutely loved all my stuff. And he was real fired up about the RV book, and I went, whoa. And that's where RV off the grid health. You know, the all I start off in the whole primal paleo health world. It was venturing into a different direction. It was because my life is evolving and continuing to go into a different direction. And I spend most of my time trying to make things as simple and easy as I can. And I'm not saying easy as in lazy, enjoyable, easier, you know, to get yeah. more fulfillment out of my life. And so that RV book kind of kicked it off and I was in the middle of writing it. I went, you know what? I'm going in more of a life simplification direction and not to say that the primal paleo health stuff is not included in that. It is. Undoubtedly, I think your health is the cornerstone of this lifestyle. You got to get healthy. You have to work on your health first because it also makes everything else easier after that. So that's parts not going away. But with that, I created a new book series called The Simple Life. So all the books from uh, that I'm writing right now are going to be called The Simple Life Guide to RV Living is the one book. And then I also just released Guide to Optimal Health, which is kind of a, a, a reboot of my health kind of, oh, kind of my model. But I've, I've updated it. I wrote those first books about six years ago. And some of the material started eight, nine years ago where I started compiling it. So I've changed some of my views on certain things in health. So that's the direction I realized I was going. I'm just, you know, I'm teaching people how to simplify, declutter their life. So that's kind of where the new direction is. And the new website's uh, thesimplelifenow.com. The simple life obviously is taken. And I'm not going <laughs> to pay the 7000 or $8,000 it was for the domain. Um, so that's, yeah, that's what the direction from here on out. It's all about just trying to teach people uh, the best I can from my experience primarily and so far so good people are really responding well to it they really like the new direction that i'm going well, let's kind of dig into that with your, your new book the simple guide to simple life guide to rv living can you like explain a little bit more what that's about what people are going to learn in it that type of thing well of course i, I outline my journey i think was important and i tell people how i did it you know because my whole journey basically started from downsizing and moving into a travel trailer that's how it started and what I go is I cover how I did it, what I was doing, and how I simplified and how I sold everything and kind of downsized first, kind of crunched everything down. And also how a lot of confusion people have with RVs is the classifications. What type of RV do I buy? How do I even look at it? I mean, there's so many. There are thousands of different types of RVs when you get into all the different realms. It's a huge, huge market. And it's really confusing. So I teach people the different classifications, class A, class B, class C, travel trailer, and fifth wheel. Those are the main classifications. You could get into camper trailer, and you could get into the ultralight mini trailer. But I'm all, well, you know, those are a different – those aren't really – those are camping. Those aren't really the lifestyle that I'm talking about. Those are pretty straightforward. Um, and I'll teach that, but I also teach how to live in an RV, how to use an RV. What are the tricks of the trade? You know, most people, I've been in RV parks who do not hook up the sewer system and do not use their bathroom because they don't know how to use it. And I mean, they've been doing this for years. They've had their RV for years. What? 
I kid you not, Jack. I had no idea. Zero idea that people did this. I mean, I owned one for like two years. I didn't use it that much. I considered what I lost on it stupid tax because I really should have never bought an RV for my life at the time. But like the first thing that I learned how to do was that because like, the, that's how you get rid of your shit. Well, in the main <laughs> RV parks, there's bathrooms. And I don't yeah. – actually, even in the little ones, in the ones in the woods I stay at, they usually have a bathroom facility where you can take a shower, take a crap. They got full toilets. They got sinks. I, in the park I was at, uh, in California, and this is a, I was watching people in the morning go to the main building. And I'm like, why? And they got their towel. They got toothbrush. They got their whole kit with them. And I mean, not just a couple. There was like four or five people every morning watching doing this. And I finally asked my neighbor, I go, Hey, why is that, that guy and his wife going in there every morning? They go, and they have a nice RV, a modern RV. And they go, I don't think they have their sewage and stuff hooked up. And I went, and one guy was next to us, and he didn't know how to set it up. He finally admitted, I don't know how to use that stuff. And, and that's what I've learned is a lot of people get really intimidated by how a RV works. And they just – they use them for the bare minimums, and that's it, like sleep and attempt to watch TV. I found people who didn't even know how to use the antenna how to set up a TV in there. I mean, it's so I, I knew there was a way to teach some of the tricks. And it's like the simple one that I talk about in the book with the sewage is the, the stinky slinky. You know, everyone hates them. But yeah. that is the, the slinky hose that hooks your septic up to your septic to the out septic. So wherever you're at that has a septic system, you hook that up. Well, I found a lot of people uh, leave the valve open. And I go, and they go, oh, my RV smells like crap. I don't even, I don't use it. I just use the main bathroom now. I go, okay, close the valve, rent, get, throw the hose away. That hose is done. Just get rid of it. You get a good one for 30 bucks. Just dump it. Start over. You put uh, the biodegradable that eats up, you know, it's all bacteria. It gets in there, eats your poop and get the disintegrating toilet paper. Leave your tank closed. Let it get three quarters full. And then release it, fill, have your gray water tank filled up or fill it up. I fill mine up right as I'm doing it. And then I clean – that cleans the, the stinky slinky out. Then you sure. shut your black tank again. And, and they went, oh, my god. I go, you know what? You know, I so went, so it wasn't so much they didn't know how to hook up to the, the provided utility. They didn't like the results of letting the shit accumulate in the shit tube. And yeah. they had never thought about the logistics necessary to do it in a way where that didn't happen. That's some of them. But some okay. of them just don't even know how to hook it up. Really? I mean, I, you come on. You, you, see, we forget, Jack, that we're in a self-reliant survivalist communities. The average American is pretty dang dumb these days. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be honest. Like, So when I bought mine, I bought it new. And so the dealer I bought it from was really good. So we bought it at a show. So we got a really great deal on it. We paid cash for it. And like they're like, well, you know, you could take this one from me. I'm like, no, I don't. I want a sway bar and I want some other stuff done. So I'll come pick one up at this shop. And they spent about two hours with us. And they went tip to tail over every single system, how it worked. Here's your book. Here's your warranty. If this breaks, we fix it. If that breaks, the manufacturer fix it. Here's what you fill these. I mean, they 
here's how your, your canopy works. And a lot of people are going to buy a used RV, and they're not going to get that experience. They're going to get, hey, I That's, want this much money, buy. You make a very good point. The people who I've seen that don't know how to use them, 100% of them have bought and used. I have yet to see a brand new one where someone comes in, they don't know how to use the stuff. You're 100% correct on that. And the the thing that kind of blew me away, I went and helped the guy because he didn't even understand how the water hose worked to get water into the RV because he <laughs> bought the thing totally used. And don't get me wrong, this guy's a total knucklehead. Yeah. But but I we were another person next to me, uh, friends of mine, they were another. We're just looking at him like, what have you been using for water? And he goes, uh, I just been bringing in. And I just go over to the take my showers and I use the sink over there. And we're like, wow. Okay, you didn't even think to go on YouTube? I mean, I'm pretty sure there's probably a YouTube video. And I'm not saying hey, – I'm not – I don't want to insult all Americans. But we got some special breeds out there that just – I don't – if the breathing wasn't natural, they would die immediately. I mean, it's just – it's scary. Um, but that's not the people I wrote the book for. I was writing it more for people who are interested in the lifestyle. But it was more tricks, you know. And like you just said, you mentioned a really good one. The, the anti-sway weight distribution bar. Yeah. Now that one, a lot of people, even experienced, sorry, some of them don't know about that. And they've been towing, they tow their travel trailer without one. And I don't care what size your travel trailer, well, unless it's one of the tiny, tiny little that's got a bed in it and that's about it. Mine was only 22 feet and I have a, a one and a half ton truck and I still put a sway bar on it. Oh yeah. Mine's you know? all, I've had one except for my 18 footer, which, uh, I, I sold it before I towed it a lot, but I towed it enough. It was it was a you know it was a sphincter clencher on that yeah. thing on the highway, and that's why I talk about too is hey spend the money, get this system. Trust me on this one. It's going to make it so much easier to tow and also to take the 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 anti sway uh, or the weight distribution bars off before you back it in. Yeah, that absolutely. Is what, oh yeah. <laughs> and I kid you not. That's what I mean. There's these little tricks that if you don't know these and you wouldn't know them. I mean, it's yeah. not common sense stuff. It's not like hooking up the water line. This is more in depth of, hey, these are really important things that will make your life easier and also make it a lot safer to where you're not going to have an accident in the wind. I mean, how many times have you seen gust of winds? And I've seen travel trailers blown over and they didn't have an anti-sway weight distribution system on it. Just pushed the trailer flipped it right over and you know stuff like that and and just basics you know how how the 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 septic is probably one of the biggest ones how to properly use the septic system where it won't stink up and uh and what vehicle that was another one you know what vehicle do you need to tow it i got questions on that all the time well what should i buy to include friends of mine and i go it depends It depends what your goal is. What do you plan to do? And I talk about the optimal towing vehicle for this kind of lifestyle and and things like that. So it's it's pretty in depth. It's again not a super long book because I didn't want to bore people. Sure. Um, but it's about picking the primarily about picking the pro proper RV for your lifestyle, right tow vehicle, how to use the RV properly, and how to enjoy it. That's the main thing. You know, and, and and simple thing too is is the insulation. I've never heard anyone talk about insulation. Travel trailers are insulated totally differently depending on what one you get. You get a cheap one with no insulation, you're going to cook in the summer. 
you're gonna you're gonna freeze in the winter. And not only that, but all your walls are gonna get condensation, your windows, and you're gonna have pools of water and mold on the inside of your RV if it's not properly insulated and you're using it in wet weather or in the winter. And so stuff like that, and that's stuff that most dealers don't even explain. They're just like, because they don't know. Because I've asked some dealers, I've gone, well, what's insulation value? And if you're in like L- in LA, they're going to go, well, what do you mean? Uh-huh. Insulation. It's look at the weather. Who cares? You know yeah. what I mean? But if you're in out up here in Washington, oh, they know the insulation values of RVs inside and out. I mean, sure. they know exactly when, which one you should get. So I talk about that, too, and explain different lengths, different sizes as far as the length, what's the optimal length, what makes a fifth wheel easier to tow as opposed to a travel trailer, stuff like that. And cost. That's a big one, too, cost, what they all what, cost. What do you think the, the biggest maybe mythology is around RV living? Oh, that would be a good one. I would say... That the biggest one is that only single people do it. It's only mm. good for single people because it's just too difficult for married people and families. And I've actually gotten a lot of comments on that too, going, Oh, your life's totally different than mine. I can't do that. And I'm all, No, no, no. Don't use that excuse. Do not. Because where I've gone and where I've traveled to this lifestyle to include living off the grid, the majority, large majority of people doing it are married with kids and pets. In every RV park, I am the exception and not the rule. I, the odd birds are the single people doing it. Most people doing this and living this lifestyle are married with kids. Straight yeah. up. Yeah. I, I don't know that I've seen, in my experience, a ton of married with kids, but I have seen a ton of couples and some married with kids. Um, I, I used to work for these people way back in the day when I was in underground construction and they were building a, you know, their, their, their retirement home down in a place called Gulfweight. So they didn't really want a home here in the Dallas Fort Worth area, but they needed to oversee their business. They had a really nice fifth wheel. They had it at an RV park where most of the people spent, you know, most of the year or significant parts of the year. A lot of people did what you did. They had their RV there and they never moved it. They, they left and then they came back. Uh, seasonally, and I would say the majority of the of the, the the mobile homes there had more than one person living in it. Well, and I think that's the trend, See, and that's why I say that is the trend has changed. I used to notice that too, but recently, over the last couple of years, especially, I'd say two to three years, I'm seeing families. I'm seeing full blown really? families. Oh, uh, not uh, all over. I, I was shocked. I did not huh. expect to see that. And I, it, it threw my whole belief system off because I thought it was mainly couples, retired people, or younger couples, or single yeah. people. That was it, it. It may be the stark reality setting in on the tiny home dream. I don't want to kick that dog any harder <laughs> than we already have in the past. But if you think about it, let's say you were a, a, a man and a woman with two kids. And you mm-hmm. had this dream, and you're going to travel the country, and you're going to cut out your debt, and you're going to work remote, and your husband's going to work on his music or whatever other bullshit they put on that show, right? And you you decided to walk down the tiny home path. You would either do it, hate yourself, sell it to some sucker, and get an RV, or along the discovery path go, due to my due diligence, I've discovered this is a dumbass idea, and you would end up going this route. So when that took off, it may have been what kind of caused a big part of that shift anyway. 
You, you may be right, and we have talked about that. I do. I, I talk about that in the book too because that's a valid option. Um, I wouldn't say teeny homes. I wouldn't rule them completely out, but I discuss why. You know, I get into the why a teeny home could be a good option, and yeah. that's and that is if you're going to DIY it, you're going to build it yourself, you're going to treat it as a project. It's a lot cheaper to do it that way. It still isn't cheap. You could still get an RV for the same price or less. Sure. But if you're that's your thing, hey, you know, and you got the skills or you want to learn the skills, excellent idea. But don't plan to tow that thing around the country because no. that is stupidity. And that's the misconception these shows are teaching is that you could just build one, hook it up to your Subaru, four-cylinder Subaru, and those things weigh over 10,000 pounds on average. You're not yeah. towing it with a car. If you do, that car will last about twenty, maybe 20,000 miles, and you'll kill it. You'll destroy your car. But they're, but not only that, but they're very dangerous. They're very top-heavy. They're not built to be moved around. They're built to be transported to a place, dumped off, and basically permanently lived in. That's and if what they're, they're moved, for. they're moved by somebody with a freaking rig that moves oh. it like because it's going from this place to that place for a permanent move. I, I, I really think they work for that um, a lot better than most other things. Well, and that's you're exactly right there too. Is most of the tiny homes are transported by a transportation company, not the people towing, not the people who own them. They transport them to a piece of land, they dump them there, and there they stay. But why would you pay on average? I mean, these things, from all the research I did, seventy-five to hundred plus grand no, for these no. things. Yeah, and y- no. you could you imagine the you buy a couple year, maybe a one year, two year used fifth wheel. I you would be hard pressed to spend that kind of money. Oh, you I don't would. Know, and, and if you did spend it, it would be a RV mansion. I mean, you, you may get a gold plated toilet seat out of that. The I, way I see like the tiny home thing kind of working is first of all you use the prefabricated shed as your is your your base. Yeah. And I think like it would be ideal if you did it this way. Let's say you had somebody doing what you're doing, but they weren't going to go a full on off grid home. Uh, somewhere and then pure RV somewhere else, but they're able to come up with two pieces of land—a north, you know, a north bird and a south bird piece of land for your your seasons. And then you bring in something like a 16 by 20 tough shed. You spray foam insulate it. You make it a basic bare bones, you know, house that becomes an extension of your RV. In the winter, you pull your RV into the one spot. You have that one. You pull your RV yep. into the one for the. See that that makes a lot of sense to me. An 18 year old kid that wants to start out his life without debt. And goes and gets a job in construction and learns everything. Like, he doesn't give a shit if he's making $10 an hour, $14 an hour. He does framing, he does drywall, whatever he can get. Learns it all, builds one himself, saves up his money, buys a piece of land, parks it on it, and then eventually builds a more substantial home. These types of things make sense to me. This, I'm going to discover America in my tiny home. You're going to discover death in your tiny home. <laughs> or you're going to discover debt in your tiny home. Or both. Uh, I like I said we don't need to kick that dog anymore. We probably no. need to move along, but it, it it does you know bear. I think it is part why this has taken off um, on something totally different. You've also come up with another book called The Simple Life Guide to Optimal Health. What's that about? Again, that's uh, about again. I I didn't want to get rid of the health books because I thought it, my mindset is like I said it's the cornerstone of this movement of simple living. Even as in the survivalist community, self-reliance, homesteaders, I preach this stuff all the time to them, and they get it. It's funny how they're starting to get it. Go, man, you got to have your health. You have to have your health, and you should – I always say you need to work on that first before you do anything 
Before you start this type of lifestyle, anything, you need to figure out your body, your health, and improve it as much as you can. Because as we've seen, healthcare is getting more and more expensive. It's not getting cheaper. And the modern medical world is built on profit. I hate to break burst people's bubble. You know, I spent a good part of my life doing medical investigations in hospitals and doctors and pharmaceutical industry. So I know what the heck I'm talking about. These guys could give two shits about your health for the most part. All they care about is their bottom line and making money. So how do you, how do you use that information instead of, you know, just shining a negative light on it? It, well, it's about self-responsibility, which is what we all teach, period. Anyway. But the self-responsibility, and that's what I teach in my, my health book, and I, I'm going to put another one out here shortly, and it probably is going to be free. Uh, it's going to be a, a rewrite of one of my older books, and I'm just going to put it out for free because I think it's that important. Um, but to give you all the basic knowledge, as I did in my old books, and I got rid of the old books. You can't buy them anymore. I took them off the market. Like I said, I, you know, I'm, I, I consider myself – I'm a type A. I now am working on writing to be a professional, well, well-known writer, as best well-known as I can be. So that old stuff, we, I cringe. I kind of get a little uncomfortable when I see it and I read it now. And it's perfectly fine, I'm sure, to most people. But to me, I couldn't stand to look at it anymore, so I got rid of it. Um, but I'm teaching you the same thing. It's about learning the basics, basics about nutrition, exercise, and and cooking your own food budgeting on it what what being healthy really means budget wise it's far cheaper to be healthy than it is to be unhealthy that's just a complete myth i think to keep the keep us all on the hamster wheel and spend as much money as we can and also to take like i said your responsibility for yourself to learn the basics yourself because you can't you can't be healthy with no knowledge you just can't it's anything in life you can't be successful with anything unless you learn about it i know we i know some of the modern Marketing techniques teach you, oh, you don't need to know anything. Just throw something out there and, you know, market it. That's a great theory. It doesn't work in life for the most part. So I teach you the basics without getting too far in the weeds. I put uh, the recipes in there this time. I've got the workout plan in there, and uh, I talk about, you know, the basic three macros like I did in other books, you know, protein, fat, carbohydrates. Talk about the myths, the cholesterol myth. I talk about, you know, the carbohydrate myth, carbohydrate res resistance. I talk about, you know, uh, gosh, trying to remember everything I stuck in there. It's a pretty, this book is far more in depth than the other stuff I did. This time I, it's about 260 pages, 250 something, I want to say. So this is a more solid, all encompassing book as opposed to my other ones, which were pretty light. So this is, I consider this pretty much the health book. That if you're only going to read one, I would say this is a good one. And I don't get too far into the paleo world this time. I do talk about the primal lifestyle and all that. But I, I still – paleo elements are still included. Don't get me wrong. I didn't just take out – it, but it's more my philosophy this time of what I think works best with all my experience in working with clients and being in the health industry. So it's more of a, a pool of putting it all together. As an older Gary, because heck, I'm, I'm almost I'm pushing 50, believe it or not, which is scary to me. It is scary. So, <laughs> so I'm not, you know, I'm not some dumbass uh, just blowharding health stuff out there. This is four decades of athletics, 
you know, working in the medical communities, working with clients. This is a lot of knowledge that I dumped in there that the best I could to keep it simple. And that's again, keeping it simple, straightforward. I don't want to bore you with stuff you don't need to know. So that's why I wrote it. I, I think this, that's why I thought if I could get one health book in there, a concrete health book in the simple life, I needed to do it because I think it's that important. Explain just a little bit for those that uh, maybe haven't heard you before because they're new to the show, kind of where your background comes from that uh, you, you, you garner this uh, health and nutrition information from. Yeah, and that, it's very unique. Uh, my health background is, I, I, I'm not saying this to boast or anything, but I'm the only guy in the health world. Well, I don't consider myself exclusively in the health world, but it was in the health world with my background. Uh, I, I grew up, you know, athletic, played sports all my life, was unhealthy like a lot of people, suffered a ton of maladies, went to several allergy doctors, food allergy, do- everything, had all kinds of issues, eczema, you know, uh, acne, you know, body acne, you know, sore joints, achy, fatigue, you know, the whole thing. I had everything that everyone suffers from today. Uh, but when I went to college, I I still was athletic, did the best I could, ended up in the military. I shouldn't say ended up. I always had a goal to be in the military and learned more about physical you know, training there. And then I ended up getting – I was minoring in health science when I was in college. I ended up not finishing it because I transferred. But I was always interested in health. And from there, I went and became a special agent in the U.S. State Department, traveled around the world, got to see how other more remote cultures eat. And, and exercise, and I found it was far different than uh, than Americans do. And so that kind of got my feet wet of, gosh, what are we doing here? What's wrong? And I kept trying to improve my health. I was doing things wrong. Ended up working, transferring to the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, where I did a lot of Medicare, Medicaid fraud. Uh, like I said, I investigated doctors, hospital chains, big conglomerate hospital chains, uh, nursing homes, you name it durable medical equipments, and then I went to the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, as a special agent, and that's where I got into the food and drug world. The whole time, I was still learning, piecing all this stuff together, and I ended up bumping into the natural health world through investigations, ironically, at the FDA, and I started reading some of their material, and don't get me wrong, you got to be careful with all health practitioners. They're all, just like anything in life, there's good and bad, And but it taught me a whole new kind of concept of, you know, the the ancestral health kind of side of things. And I ended up changing my diet and how I exercised because I was exercising like most people. I was over-exercising in order to make up for my nutritional deficits or what I was doing wrong, not understanding that I was doing it wrong. I was doing what everyone told me. Eat a crap load of processed carbohydrates because I, carbs are the, you know, the, the source of health and processed carbs at that. A lot of grains, beans, you know, rice, all that stuff you're not supposed to eat on paleo. Uh, dairy was messing me up and uh, just doing process specially. And then I just cleaned my diet up, kind of went the paleo direction, primal. I didn't know it was primal at the time. I, I knew uh, I'd heard kind of. And I ended up leaving the government and uh, starting a health company basically and using my knowledge to help people. So that's kind of a hopefully short-winded as I can get more in there, but what, what and to include, you, oh, I ahead. should oh to include also many surgeries. I've been, I've had been hacked, stuck, screwed together multiple times now. 
So I was kind of giving it from a different perspective, too, of also from being on the inside of how the government and how the regulatory agencies work, how our food industry and drug industry works and health industry works from the inside. And then also from the outside of me having to go through the health system, just like every American. You know, I wasn't unique. I, you know, I, I've got some serious health problems, too. I'm not perfect by any stretch. So it's taught me a lot. So what do you think the uh, the biggest things people get wrong when it comes to being healthy are? There's a couple. I, the first one is recognizing sugar. Today, people, and I've had some in-depth conversations over the last couple months. I thought people were getting this health thing. I think thought it was getting out there more. I've seen more 250-plus-pound men and women in the last year than I've ever seen in my life. And not only that, but I've seen morbidly, it's, it seems like we're not, I thought we were paying attention, we're not. And I know where they're getting their calories from. Sugar. It is yeah. sugar, sugar, yeah. sugar. And it, it, the irony of that is today we spend and buy the most cooking books that we've ever spent in the history of humankind. And yet we cook the least of our own meals and shop for our own foods the less, least in human history as well. There's a problem. And again, people can't figure out that today's mass-produced food has sugar in everything. Lunch meat, salad dressing, <laughs> yogurt. All the things you think are healthy are loaded with sugar. Loaded. You know what drives me crazy? Like Everybody's got onto the low-carb thing. And you'll see something, it'll say, you know, less than two carbs per serving. And you look at it and you go, wait a minute. Mm. That's 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 cheese. That's that, that's cheese. There should be no carbs. Why 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 are there any carbs? What, yep. what, what, why 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 are there? And then you read it, and it's like they Extra. put sugar in something that didn't need sugar, or they put some sort of additive that had sugar in it, and you're like, but this was this was fine. And your marketing it, is, and all you had to do was not do that. And you you, you think of people even that are living primal paleo type things. You, you if they don't pay attention to that, all of a sudden they're putting in an extra 12, 20 carbs a day, which if that's all you're doing, that's not really a problem. But if it's if you think there's none and it's added to your other 12, 20 carbs a day, all of a sudden you're looking at 40, 50, 60 carbs a day. And during a weight loss phase, that's that's over. Exactly. And that, that, that'll push us into something really interesting. I think the uh, listeners are going to like it. I've answered this, some of these on the uh, expert council. As well, when you combine carbohydrate with saturated fat, especially saturated fat, that is the perfect storm for weight gain, especially fat storage. And addiction. And And addiction. And addiction. Exactly. So now you've got sugar and and sugar, when you consume sugar, it up. We know it uptakes insulin. Well, insulin blocks your body's ability to utilize fat as energy. So when you combine those two, you're turning off your body's ability to utilize fat for energy, and now you've got this free-flowing sugar that insulin has to keep upregulating, upregulating to get it out of your bloodstream if it's too high. And for people who are low-carbing or doing the ketogenic diet or high-protein, what it does is it kicks them out of ketosis when they want to be in ketosis. And I won't get into ketosis because that's a whole can of worms that the ketogenic community is getting way wrong. And I had someone send me a nasty email and say, I'm no longer listening to you because you're ignorant 
and you say you said something very stupid on on your show actually and i i emailed them back and i went please tell me what i said wrong i didn't remember what i said yeah, i mean i kind sure. of had an idea but yeah. what they were they were saying that well, i said ketosis you don't want to be in ketosis all the time and that is actually physically pretty much impossible uh ketosis all the time is an overabundance of ketones in the bloodstream i'll get into it real briefly because people get confused by us all the time you do not want too many ketones in the bloodstream all the time you will become acidic Will you become acidic enough to die? No, but you do not want to be in a constant state of being too acidic. You don't. And I've trust me, I know the science. And I gotta get pissed off when people tell me I'm totally wrong. But it's because that community is preaching it the wrong way. But they have it right that in order to get weight loss, you do have to go in states of ketosis. You have you that is part of it. But that the part they get wrong is that you want to be in it all the time. It's just that is stupidity. Um, but what it will do is when you want to be in ketosis and you're trying to be in ketosis, what it will do is it will knock you out. So now it's knocked you out because you just consumed a food that has added sugar in it that you didn't see. You did not know it was in there. And like I said, a perfect example is lunch meat. They stick dextrose, which is uh, sugar, uh, corn sugar basically, a derivative of corn, um, right? Or is that maltodextrin? Oh, I may have them all wrong. God dang. But they, they sneak it in one way or another. And the problem is, again, you think you're eating protein and fat, and but now you got the sugar in there. Knocks you out of ketosis. You get If you get to eat enough of it and you're not paying attention, you'll get an insulin spike, and it just throws everything out of whack. All that hard work you're trying to do, it takes you out. And you know we've talked about this before too is the paleo desserts. Understanding that a paleo dessert, yeah, it's paleo, but it's still a sugar bomb. You got to be really, really careful with that stuff. Is it healthier? Absolutely, undoubtedly, but it is still loaded with natural sugar. So we got to be careful with that stuff. And yeah, that's one of the biggest misconceptions is really watching out for sugar. And the food companies today are smart. Not only that, but they've knocked the – I don't know if you know this, but they've made the servings way smaller. So yeah. a serving used to be a quarter of a bag of whatever it is. Now it's a tenth of a bag. So you think you're getting only a couple grams of sugar, and you're actually getting like 15 grams of sugar because you're eating the you're eating your usual serving that you ate before, and now you go, oh crap! And the empty calories of sugar, and that I'm finding primarily in a lot of fruit juice. People think that juicing uh, a lot is healthy, and don't you know juicing's good here and there. But it is you've basically decimated the fiber and cellulose that slows it slows it down slows down the absorption, so you're kind of mainlighting that that natural sugar again. So you got to be real careful you careful with those smoothies and uh, juice drinks, um, and also the big one the big one in America right now and this I see every single day are those milkshake lattes. <laughs> Whoa, <laughs> I have watched people i work in coffee houses to write i have watched people walk in and get three of those a day you're getting about three thousand plus empty calories right there right there without doing anything so again you gotta be careful you gotta pay attention uh another another myth is that the biggest one is 
that you got to keep jumping on gimmicks. This is a big one of mine too is people go gimmick fad diet to fad diet to fad diet. Health is pretty standard as you know, Jack. Heck, you've gone through all this. You're yeah. a paleo guy. Once you break it down to its basic components of, you know, don't go to extremes. And this is one of, I still have my five principles that I outline in my uh, health book. That one of the first one is knowledge is power, but one is also avoid extremes. And what a lot of people do today is they go on these extreme diets, extreme exercise. You know, I'm going to go to CrossFit for seven, 12, 15 days in a row. Eh, bad idea. Not good. Um, you know, it's more of learning to work within the systems our bodies were meant to work in, eating the foods you were intended to eat most of the time. That doesn't mean you can't ever cheat. But to get the basics, don't eat too many carbs. You know, get a good source of protein and eat healthy fats. Pretty basic, right? And then throw in some movement and lift lift some heavier objects every once you know, every once in a while, which is usually two to three times a week. I literally that's in the health book. I break it down to those basic premises, and people still think it's they think it's too easy. It's too simplistic, and that's again. I I tell people don't go down those rabbit holes. You start, you know, if something's working for you, don't screw with it. Don't change it. And that's the thing I've seen people do is they'll get on the right path and that shiny object will come on that TV commercial or that new meals in a box coming to your front door <laughs> yeah. kind of thing and they jump on it. And Where you still have to buy like half the food for yourself, by the way. It'll be like, yeah, you're supposed to eat a banana and an apple with this. Go to the store and get one. It's like, what the hell? Those I mean- <laughs> food boxes are, are – I call that the epitome of American laziness. Yeah. It, that yeah. truly is, and that's one of the things I talk about in the book too is you need to cook your own food. If you're yeah. unwilling to cook your own food, you're missing the whole point, the entire point of being healthy. Now, some people are rich enough that they can have a, a live-in chef and have sure. someone prepare on their meals. Fine. Hey, I'm not against that either. If you couldn't do that, knock yourself out. For the rest of us, we all learn how to cook. Yeah, Bottom I agree. Line. I you agree know? 100%. Yeah, so what, what do you think some, on that? What do you think on that? I mean, uh, you've been doing a this couple stuff, things. Right? I think number one is if people listen to government. That's that's a huge mistake. Oh, uh, if you're eating off the pyramid or the new nine million dollar food plate that basically is the pyramid reformatted, you're eating the feed bag. If you read, uh, if you look at the nutritional uh, breakup of uh, nutrients uh, in the government recommended diet, and you look at a bag of feed for for livestock designed to make the cow fat and the pig fat, uh, you're eating the livestock feedback. Uh, the next one is believing that there are differences in carbohydrates. There actually are. There is fiber and then there's all other carbohydrates. Fiber is non-digestible and it will not contribute to your caloric intake and it's not a bad thing for you. Uh, carbohydrates are sugar, period. There is there is no simple, nope. complex, slow, fast, medium speed. But it's a carbohydrate. When you eat it, it goes to sugar. It has an insulin response in your body, and it is going to make you produce more insulin, and therefore it is going to put your body into a mode of storing and not burning fat. Period. End of story. You can't change it. You can eat all the lentils you want that Tim Ferriss says you can, and you're still going to make yourself <laughs> fat. I'm sorry. It just <laughs> it doesn't. Now, some people uh. can live on a diet of, of, of lentils and pitas and shit like that, and they do fairly well. That's fine if that's you. I'm not telling you not to. But if you're fat and you're eating lentils and pitas and you're telling me you got a problem and you don't understand it, you're eating sugar. 
Uh, I I love Timmy, Jack. I love Timmy sometimes. Some of the stuff. Oh, God. And that's what I'm talking about. I I should add another one. Don't get your health health advice from a non-expert. Yeah. These don't do it. Just don't. There are health the health industry right now, or far as the blogs and everything. And you guys have heard me hammer on this. I won't go too deep into it. There's a lot of people that have zero background in health who are saying they're health experts. Look into their background and go. Okay, they lost ten pounds. Ugh, probably not a wise idea to get health advice from them. Yeah. Uh, and that's another one is just be real careful where you're getting your information. Um, but you're told I didn't know Timmy had preached that. I, I, yeah, I knew he called it a slow stuff. carb. He had the four hour chef and I didn't really That's read right. it, but exactly. he had, I read some of his blog posts that were promoting. He was talking about the slow carbs and how lentils are a slow carb compared to something like rice. And I'm like, either you're lying or you're stupid. Right, and, I, and that's not fair because Tim Ferriss is not stupid. He's no. actually a very smart guy. You're either lying or you're ignorant, but there is not a there is not a, a a thing C there. You're either ignorant to the reality that a lentil is a carb and a carb is a sugar. Period, or you know that and you are telling people what they want to hear. And I think a lot of people. I think that's another thing. If if something sounds like something you want to hear. Then I'm not saying it's not true. I'm saying you better really check it before you invite it into your life as a fact. I think that's a huge mistake people make due to perception bias and confirmation bias. I want this to be true. Therefore, since this person who pretends to know what they're talking about said it, I can add that to my life as a, as a factual point that I base my life on. That's probably the single biggest error people make because they're doing 80% right, but 20% is crushing their balls in their life, whether it's diet exercise, business, life, whatever, and that 20% that's crushing their balls is crushing it because they've accepted it as fact without verifying it. And that's a big thing today, and, and that you, you hit, hit the nail on the head there today is we've, we, we, we're, we're following false prophets is what I call it. You know, We're not getting our, our advice from experts. We're just going out there and we're finding the easy route. And people prey upon that. And unfortunately, humans are just crappy. You know, and we're shitty sometimes, and we're really bad to each other. I don't understand why, but we tend to torture ourselves. And with that, it's go out there, figure. That's the whole point of knowledge is power. Figure it out for yourself. You need to figure it out. And I'm not saying you know go the hard road. I've done it. You've done it. I've done it. The reason I do all this stuff is because I've made all the mistakes. I've done the stupid stuff too, and I'm trying to save people from going down the wrong roads that I went down. And, and consider it, you know, a life of torture, I guess. But I've told myself I'm going to figure this stuff out one way or another, and, and that's what the whole simple life concept's about: is living the best life I can and having the most freedom I can within our societal norms today. Because people today, you know, no matter what your bitch is about. Uh, the state of America, what your politics is, I tell people it doesn't matter. They're all out to screw you. You know, the government's out, you know, I, I don't want to say they're out to, you know, hunt you down and kill you or anything, but both sides suck. Democrats, Republicans, I've been around them both. I've been in the highest echelons of government. I've protected these knuckleheads. They have one thing in common. They're out for themselves. That is it. So you need to get that through your head and look at it that we're still in the freest society today in the known world. And how do, you, how do you take advantage of that? How do you work within this system, even though there are constraints? And that's kind of what I'm teaching, if that, if that makes sense. I want a little tangent there. But I'm trying to teach that it's still there. I mean, you could still live the life you want, but you're going to have to educate yourself. You're going to have to get out of the box and get I off agree. the wheel. 
I agree. So, hey, man, what do you got planned next? What, what's coming next in the world of uh, Gary Collins? It's always random. Um, it could And it could change at any given moment. Right now, my project is trying to get these these books out, continue with the simple life. But I, I, I plan to do some teaching webinars. I'm going to get more into speaking. Uh, I've been in a – I know uh, there's been a couple places contact me. I won't give it away right now. I was supposed to go out on a pretty big kind of tour this year, and it fell through. And I'm also looking like in another state for another property. I'm debating a couple right now. There's going to be another project. I'm just not quite sure what it's going to be. Um, it'll be part of, again, the simple life. But the books are the priority right now. I'm taking the writing stuff really seriously because I think that's my best venue right now. I need to do a podcast again. Oh, my God. I know I need to. <laughs> it, it's time. I, I think. There might be a couple projects too where I'll work with someone else, uh, with a, with a different background to kind of get a different perspective on the life simplification model. I'm kind of exploring that right now. But yeah, there will be some more projects. Uh, I'm not going away, Jack. If you, you know, if you don't like me, I, I hate to tell you, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to be around. There will be more books. There will be more stuff. Uh, the, the courses I'm, I'm really, interested in uh i know there's a lot of people asking a lot of questions and i'd love to be able to put a course together on an a to z and i'm kind of trying to figure out how and when i'm going to do it so if, if you guys have anything that you would love to learn for me that you think would you would love me to teach hey shoot it in the comments or you guys like a lot of your followers they they shoot me emails we got similar followers we probably know who they are um and also you know, just the supplement line's still there. I always forget about that. It's the simple life now. Instead of Primal Power Method, I have a, still have my healthy supplement line, and I've expanded it. You'll like these two products I added. I added fermented organic turmeric, and I okay. also powder, Great. and then fermented organic beet powder. Fantastic. Hmm. Two really fantastic. And I'm not going to be the one that says beets are going to cure all your ills and make give you the energy of a 20-year-old. I'm not going to say that. Other people have already done that. Beats do work, but it, they're not miracles. <laughs> I'm going to say that. You know, I'd settle for the energy of a 30-year-old at my age. I, I don't want the energy of a 20-year-old. I did too much stupid shit when I had that. 30 sure. was about right, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the supplement line is still there. Uh, you know, I, I, and oh, this is important. I am moving away and have moved away from social media. It doesn't fit. And I'm not saying I'm not on it. I'm. Yeah. Facebook, I've pretty much kicked to the curb. There's a lot of issues there uh, as far as my core values and beliefs, and that's going to be in a book coming up of the kind of uh, disintegration of society and how we communicate with each other and where we spend our free time. I feel with what I teach that social media doesn't quite fit in per se. I'm not saying you, that you can't use it or you know it doesn't have its value. I'm saying that I don't think – Living a simpler life, Facebook is essential, to be honest. That's just me. Um, I don't plan, like I said, I don't plan just to never use it, but I'm being very careful and picky how I use it, how I share information on there. So if you want updates and you want to stay in contact with me, I answer all my emails to this day, but you have to go on my website and you have to fill out a form. 
I'm not going to give you carte blanche access to me, which I learned from Jack. And that, you know, because I'm busy. And I, I noticed the, the easier you make it sometimes, the more people will take advantage of it a little bit. Not much. I have great followers. I have great customers. They're really considerate of my time. But no, I don't say. Let me let me give you an example of this. Yeah. You'll like this one. Is a guy that does content creation and tries to help people. I got an email last week from this guy. I I would like you to call me. Here's oh, my number, this. or give me your number so I can call you. I have several questions I would like to ask you, and I would prefer to have you answer them before I write them up, just to find out that you won't. Uh, I, I didn't exactly tee off on the guy's ass completely, but it wasn't a really nice response. It, it was. You know, I don't sit here doing unpaid consulting for every single person that asks because, well, number one, I can't. But number two, while I was, you know, batching my email out and got up to your email, I actually answered about 50 emails this morning. Right. For people yeah. asking me things that I actually could help them with. And maybe they weren't 27 paragraph responses, but hey, you can go here. I did an episode on that. Here's a few things here. I'm connecting you with this doctor that we use, things like that. So I've already helped 50 people this morning. And your arrogance is I should pick up the phone and call you so that you won't be inconvenienced. And people yeah. like that, if you try to help them, will monopolize your time to the extent where they cost you the ability to help the people that appreciate what you do. And, and that's why they have to just be kicked to the curb. I'm sorry, you know. And, and well, I didn't mean anything by it, but, you know, either he got the point when I responded, since I didn't hear it back, I don't think he did, or, he, you know, he, he is an arrogant ass that thinks, like, I exist to service his needs. Well, and that's the thing with social media for a business owner. Uh, the personal level is a whole different thing that I'll get into. Like I said, I've got a lot of it ready to be written. Um, that... On the business side, I find that if you open your social media up and you focus too much time on what you get is a lot of trolls and people looking for free information and to give their their opinion or start a fight, the trolls basically. And I just have realized I, but life's too short. I don't have time for that. I, I don't – you know, I just don't. And I need to move on to other things and I don't want to have to worry about posting something on there every day. I give a lot of free information on my website, on my blog. So if you want to stay up to date, I really highly recommend you sign up for my newsletter on the new website, uh, thesimplelifenow.com. I give free stuff in there. I update you on what I'm doing. I'm going to get better. I kind of dropped off. But that's now that I've said part of the reason I dropped off is because I had too many friggin' pokers in the fire, you know, trying to do all social media and then social media change. Now you need to be on Instagram. Well, now you need to do on Snapped. I'm all, I'm done. I'm done. I can't take this crap anymore. I'm over it. You know, every time I learn something, it's like I got to learn something new. And and I want people to understand that – what's the best way to put it? That times have changed. If I wanted to contact someone I liked as an author, I had to write them a letter back in the day. And most of the time – I only did it a couple of times, and I wasn't asking random questions. I was just thanking them that, hey, I really enjoy whatever. Thanks. And every once in a while, I got a response. But today, people expect unfiltered access to the people who provide them a service, and I don't necessarily disagree sometimes, but what happens is it takes away from me to have the ability to enjoy my life and to get them more information. That's what it stops doing, and I don't want social media to, to drain that. Like I said, I'm going to use it 
but you, I'm going to be doing it through the emails. Uh, gotcha. Through that's how it's going to work. I could change my mind, but I yeah. doubt it. Yeah. I'll be honest with you, Jack. I, I think you know this. I absolutely detest social. I hate it. I, I understand. If it. I didn't have so many people that communicate with me on a regular basis through Facebook, I'd be off it already. I, I do it because that's where my audience is, and they want to yep. communicate with me there. And in general, it goes fairly well. And I, I learned with my with my business. I talk a lot about human psychology, and I actually learn about how people think a great deal from engagements on Facebook, but I can see your point entirely. Uh, on another note, as we wrap up, because we are well past an hour here, Gary, um, all your new stuff is where? That's at the new website. Uh, as many people, because uh, like I said, we have followers in common. Uh, thanks, Jack. Uh, you're the one who brought me on many years ago. Um, that the simplelifenow.com is the new website. Primal Power Method no longer exists as a website. Uh, there's still stuff tied together, but not really. I mean, it, it will always be around, but the new focus is the Simple Life concept and the simplelifenow.com website. The supplement line, if you some have seen, has changed labels, but it's the same supplements. Uh, same exact thing. All I did is change the label, update the label. And like I said, that's where the blog is and uh, hopefully future podcast and all that good stuff. But that's the main place. But all my books are on Amazon. I've upgraded to over the last uh, year, a, a, a distribution company contacted me and takes care of my worldwide distribution on the print side of my books. But you could pretty much get my books anywhere, Amazon, uh, iBooks. There's some exclusions here and there because indie publishing is – I won't even explain it to people. Uh, I'll teach a course on it one day. It's complicated. But that's where my, all my books are there, too. All my books are on my website. Digital, hard copy, everything's on there as well. But you can get it anywhere. You know, If you're, you're a Kindle reader, you can get it on my site, but you can also get it off Amazon. Well, great, and, man. And, and, Go ahead. And free ship and free shipping. I always have free shipping. And remember, I'm an MSB member, so you get 10% off your orders. Cool, man. Well, I'll make sure I have links to everything in the show notes today, Gary. And thanks for being with us today. I really enjoy kind of watching along with your journeys and the, the way that you bring information to people, both like, this is all the great shit that happened and worked. And like, here's all the shit that didn't work, too. So don't do this. And I think that's. That's really important that we as content providers provide uh, a look into our mistakes and our successes. Otherwise, we're really just patting ourselves on the back. Well, and I learned, obviously we learn more from the mistakes. And I've found you're right. People appreciate me putting the mistakes in there. And, and I try not to go too negative, but I feel it's important to share them because, uh, hey, man, I'm a, I'm a humble guy at this point. I screw up all the time. <laughs> you know, I'll yeah. share them. They're funny. I laugh at most of them. Because they're dumb. I do dumb stuff sometimes. I go, oh, God, why'd I do that? But that's where you learn. So, Yep. Yep, man. Well, hey, I appreciate you being with us today. And, uh, you know, uh, we'll, we'll try to get some questions in here. I think you're out of questions for expert counsel. So, uh, folks, if you got a question for Gary, I'm trying to put together a couple expert counsel shows before I go on vacation. Get them in, and uh, Gary will answer them like he always does. He's all the, You're never on the pikers list when it comes to getting your answers back, man. So I appreciate that. And I appreciate you for being with us today, Gary. Thanks for having me on, Jack. Appreciate it. All right, folks. Great interview with Gary. And I meant what I said. We uh, we are trying to get a bunch of expert counsel questions in by the end of this week. 
so that I can get a, a lot of responses back and try to get the week I'm going to be gone is next week. I'm going to be here for a couple days and then gone for the rest. But the expert counsel shows are pretty easy to do. So instead of all rewinds, I might be able to add in an expert counsel show if I get enough material. So I've, 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 I've shaken the piker tree with the expert counsel to try to get the pikers out of it uh, and, and maybe get some content from them. But a lot of it is people don't have questions at this point. We've, they've answered so many, I guess maybe the well's gone dry. But if any questions for Gary, get them in. Remember, it's not just the primal paleo stuff, man. A simple life to RV living and a, a simple life guide to, uh, to off-grid living and all that other good stuff. Uh, Gary can answer your questions on that, too. Okay, so uh, remember, guys, if you want to help support our show, there's a painless way to do it, and that is by doing your online shopping at tspaz.com. That's T-S-P-A-Z.com, T-S-P-A-Z.com. Go there and you'll see all of the reviews that I've done on Amazon. And I'll tell you what, if you see it there, I own it, I bought it, I spent my money on it, I know it's worth it. I wouldn't ask you to spend your money on it if I wouldn't be comfortable spending mine. There's a few notable exceptions, and whenever it's an exception, I tell you, and it's where I don't need the product because it's not something I need, but I've touched it, I've put my hands on it, somebody else has used it, and I've researched it, and there's probably three items out of the hundreds that are there that are like that. The rest I own, they're in my home. This one is definitely one I own, and it is, it, own it is great for stress reduction uh, and many other things. It is an aroma uh, essential area... Uh, 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 an essential oil diffuser from a company called Easthold Aroma. And it looks like a vase is basically what it looks like. It looks like a wooden vase. And you put a little water and a couple drops of essential oil, and it basically distributes the essential oil through your home. And I know people are like, this guy's supposed to be a survivalist and talking about off-grid and health and nutrition and all this other stuff and staying alive and building cabins and food storage and essential oil. Isn't that like a chick thing? Well, first of all, even if it was, my audience is like 45% female, so... There is that. But no, this is not a gender-specific product, and it's certainly not a non-survival product. Essential oils are really awesome as far as I'm concerned for improving health. Now, I'm not a doctor. I don't play one on TV. I'm not making any health claims here. I'm just giving you my opinion. And my opinion is backed up by some scientific fact. Like many essential oils are antiviral, antimicrobial, antibiotic, and, and they, they help kill those things. And so just by having them in the air, you make your air healthier to breathe and you reduce the amount of pathogens in your home. There are there are hospitals in other countries that use things like lavender oil uh, misted throughout the hospital to reduce things like staph infections. And it works, even though we're not smart enough to do it here. And it sure smells better than that antiseptic hospital smell that we have in our country. Um, they also are very big on stress relief. And Many of the things that kill people today, if it wasn't for stress, it probably wouldn't. There'd be lower incidences of them or they'd be less severe. Stress is a huge killer, and things that smell nice actually reduce stress. And specifically, some of the essential oils are even better at that, at that than others. So it's a really cool product. It's about 39 bucks, and it makes a great gift on top of everything else. You can check it out. Again, it's the Easehold. Aroma Essential Oil Diffuser. It's $36.95 to be exact. They dropped the price since the first time that I reviewed it. And uh, it's just a great product. Now, I know some of you are like, well, what essential oil should I get? Well, I, in my review, I talk about some of the... Um, the different oils and what they do and the ones that I personally like. And I generally buy a specific oil for a specific reason. But I did find you guys a good kind of sampler set. It has 18 essential oils. Uh, actually, it's 16 because uh, I had to find you a new one because the old one got discontinued. Uh, but here's what's in them. It's lavender, tea tree oil, peppermint, lemongrass, sweet orange, eucalyptus, pine, tangerine, rosemary, 
frankincense, lime, lemon, bergamot, patchouli, which not my favorite, grapefruit, and cinnamon. Um, that whole set's 36 bucks, and it's a good deal. And they are real essential oils, 100% pure. Um, essential oils are one of those things. I, I had to run a bunch of different companies through fakespot.com to find you one that wasn't using fake reviews and then do additional research to make sure that they were what they say they are. These guys really are. Uh, they are a, a great product. You can check them out. It's all in my review today that you'll find at tspaz.com where everything there I own, I use, or I wouldn't recommend that you use it, and it's all categorized by individual categories. You can see in each category what I recommend, and I recommend you add this to your household. And if you're looking for a really cool gift for somebody, especially like a new home gift or something, this would be a great one. I, I can't think of many people that would not be thrilled to have this in their lives. I also talk about some things with essential oils that kind of talk about how amazing they really are and why they seem to be expensive. Um, let me give you a little bit from my review today because it will kind of drive this home for you. Essential oils are made by a distillation, and it takes a lot of herb to produce a small amount of oil. For instance, to make a pound of lavender essential oil, you'll need 200 pounds of lavender flowers to do so. And lavender is pretty heavy, as many herbs go. For instance, if you want a pound of rose oil, it will take 2,000 to 5,000 pounds of roses, depending on the variety, to do the job. Uh, if you want a pound of oregano oil, you'll still need 1,000 pounds of oregano to get one pound of oregano oil. If you want to bring it down smaller, if you wanted an ounce of peppermint oil, you need five pounds of peppermint to make one pound of peppermint oil. If you just want an ounce of oregano oil, it'll take you 60 to 65 pounds of fresh oregano to make that one ounce of oregano oil. And that starts to kind of drive home why they are so powerful and able to do what they do. Check it out today. Uh, really cool diffuser. And again, check out tspaz.com. Whenever you shop online, no matter what you buy, if you go to tspaz.com first, you help support the Survival Podcast and the work that we do. Today with our song of the day, we continue on with Pink Floyd Week, and we have a, a song that almost anybody that's ever listened to Pink Floyd ever, and some people that probably don't even know who Pink Floyd is, but listen to music like on the radio would have heard this song. It's called Wish You Were Here. And this song over the years, I think, has lost its meaning. Not lost all meaning, but lost its meaning. This has become a song that people think about like, you know, my best friend died five years ago and I wish she was here. My girlfriend died and I wish she was here. I lost this person in my life, my father, my brother, my cousin, etc. I wish they were here. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. I, I talk about it all the time, how music is subject to interpretation. But this, this was actually written, uh, the writers, two of the members of Pink Floyd wrote this together. Um, and, and one of them had dealt with schizophrenia. And I also had a friend who had basically had a complete, just lost it, uh, just lost it from a, a, a logical perspective, had a, a mental breakdown. Uh, and he had people that were supposedly his friends lacing his coffee with LSD that precipitated that. And it's about separation and distance. And the, the really soft music that sounds like an AM radio in the distances that starts this, and it takes a long time for the song to build up, it, it, it's kind of creating that symbolic separation between the 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 artist and the audience as well. And what Wish You Were Here about is about is about the person being physically co-located right next to you. They're right there, but 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 they're not there. They're distant. They're lost internally. And that's a, a, in some ways a bigger problem when someone's actually gone. There's a a sense of closure when someone's still here but not. 
um, there's a, a desire to help, and it can be very hard to deal with on both sides, both for the person dealing with it and for the people uh, that love them and care about them. And it's, it's a good explanation for many of our veterans that come home with PTSD and, and various other problems from war. And, and people that deal with all different types of things in their lives. So when you listen to this song, if it's always been that song to you about the person that you kind of wish was around and isn't, it's about the person that's around but you wish they were here. And if you listen to the words, that's pretty evident. With that, this has been Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast, helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough or even if they don't. Wish you were here